Hi, everyone. I'm JJ Hornbless, and welcome to FinTech Unfiltered, the podcast from Bank Innovation, the leading digital news service on banking and fintech. This is our weekly wrap on what's happening in banking innovation for the week of July 13, 2020. Before beginning, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Infogroup, LQD Finance, and Mambu for their support. So thank you to them. I am joined by uh, Bianca Chan and Rick Morgan from the Bank Innovation team. And we're happy to have Yohan Enval, who is a vice president at Cover Security as our special guest this week. Hi, Johan. Greetings from, Hi, I, I, how's, uh, how are things in Sweden? Things are good. We're in the peak of the summer and enjoying it. And I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. Uh, thank you for being here. It is Friday, July 17, 2020. Um, a key story this week that uh, we wrote about was on the gravitation uh, among some financial institutions to what might be called uh, alternative core providers. Um, there was some data that came out of BankJoy, which is one of those core providers that uh, showed that they've uh, secured some new clients. Um, and uh, um, 17 new FIs is not a big number, but uh, what do uh, core uh, alternative core providers need to do to seize more market share from the major bank technology companies? Um, Rick, do you want to start with that? Yeah, yeah, I can start. Um, so, I mean, the thing that we noticed in this story was that the, the credit unions that they've onboarded have been um, uh, very drawn to the fact that they can be like a personal customer with this, um, <clears throat> with BankJoy. So they, they know that they're going to get that one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, they're going to be, you know, a, a real valued customer, not just another customer if they were to go with one of the big providers out there. Um, so that was what really was um, setting BankJoy apart, at least for this story. Um, and it's a trend that you're seeing, not just um, with these credit unions and BankJoy. I mean, you're noticing a lot more startup core providers. Uh, Neocoba is the company that we've covered quite a bit. Um, I know I wrote a story a while back earlier this year about a really tiny core provider called Smiley Technologies that has like eight companies, uh, eight banks that use it. Um, so yeah, this idea of um, going with a smaller player to get that one-on-one -on -one individualized attention um, is sort of a growing trend. I know Bianca, you might have some other thoughts as well based on, on your understanding. Yeah, well, we saw some data come out of FI Navigator and um, William Mills, which is a PR firm this week that showed the marketplace, uh, especially among credit unions for core providers is pretty scattered, much more so than in the banking um, banking side of the industry. So you see, for instance, Pfizer, which is the biggest provider on both ends, um, only has a handle on 30% versus 40% um, for banks. So I think there's more opportunity among credit unions. They're not, they're looking for other alternatives and that's kind of opened the door for more players to gain some traction. So Johan, you're uh, maybe first tell us a little bit about Cover, and then the the question I wanted to ask you is, just from a from a Cover standpoint, uh, you know how you view kind of the traditional core providers versus alternative core providers, and whether that has any implications for for you as a as a fintech startup uh, based out of Sweden. Yeah, thanks. 
Um, well, first of all, Core Cover Security is a Swedish uh, startup in the cybersecurity space. We provide digital identification uh, technology for any service provider, really, but our main focus is obviously financial uh, service providers who have the need for existing end users to authenticate them online, as well as authorization of, of payments and other business activities. Uh, equally, can also provide digital onboarding of new uh, customers. Uh, instead of having to go to a bank branch, you could potentially instead onboard and identify yourself via your, your smartphone in, in that channel. Um, so we have a background uh, as having our founder were creating the, the Swedish national standard of digital identification. And we have developed that uh, technology further and now expanding it to other regions in Europe, Southeast Asia, uh, Middle East, as well as the North Americas now. So that's very briefly our background and what we do. Uh, in regards to core uh, providers, well, you know, we're looking at us, we, we definitely look at ourselves as the, as the next generation of providing identification technology and you know, competing with the with the incumbents, if you will. Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's challenging as as banks have many, many times had technology providers for a long, long time. Replacing such partnership and, and integrations is is quite an investment on their end. So you have to be very crisp in your message to convince the banks that you know it's it's it's. Um, it's worth the, the, the journey to, to, to switch. If that do you, um, do, do you have a, you know, do you look at the kind of, you know, gravitation to some of these new alternative technologies? Like it, if, you know, security as well as a, as a high threshold for adoption, you know, standards and so on. Um, is there a messaging that you that you try to pursue that allows allows you to kind of get through this this kind of incumbent hurdle challenge uh, uh, when you're when you're talking to potential partners and users? Yeah, I think that we, we normally want to have a conversation. It's obviously about security and and the and the guts of the cryptography and et cetera. But looking at security from a user experience perspective, I mean, security is, to be honest, uh, maybe a, a boring topic and it's, you know, something just have to do and it's people expect it to, to uh, kill or, or, or sabotage the, the user experience. It's a trade-off. High security means poor UX or equal that you can trade off uh, security to, to improve UX but we show how actually user experience can be improved by uh, equally improving security. So again, looking at how to authenticate yourself to log in or to authorize payments in an easy and seamless and frictionless manner is, is a topic of cybersecurity equally to user experience. So they go hand in hand and that discussion is more, it's nicer and more fun to have to talk about how the UX is getting better while you're improving the security piece. Um, this week, uh, Bianca and Rick, you both uh, wrote, I think, uh, varying stories that sort of touched on POS lending. Mm -hmm. um, what, why is there so much attention uh, around POS lending uh, now? First of all, maybe kind of fill us in on what happened this week. 
um, between money lion, charge after, and after pay. Mm -hmm. um, but it seemed like this was the, there was a confluence of news uh, coming out of POS lending. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people people want that basket size up and they want that decreased uh, decreased card abandonment. Um, I know Afterpay, this is where I wrote about and Bianca wrote about other stuff as well, but uh, Afterpay had some pretty interesting, they came to the US a couple of years ago uh, and they've just been growing like gangbusters. Um, they've, uh, they were at 1.5 million customers, I believe, last summer. Uh, and this May, they announced they were to 5 million customers in the U.S. The U.S. is now, I think, their biggest customer base. Uh, they're an Australian company. So it used to be Australia, New Zealand was their biggest customer base. They're also in the U.K. Uh, as a company called ClearPay. Um, so, yeah, the fact that their U.S. market is now it's really, really grown, um, grown to be the biggest customer base they have is pretty interesting. And to, to that end, they, they launched in-store capabilities. Uh, they had been a completely online capability um, a completely online solution uh, up until this point in the US. So, uh, but now they're, they're going into the brick and mortar. Yeah, and, and Moneyline for its part is a challenger bank. They're looking to get into point of sale financing. Um, so the company, which is now a challenger bank with checking accounts and lending products, it recently revamped its online account offering. They're calling it Roar Money. <laughs> and it's back to my MasterCard which is essentially a phase two of its uh, free checking account that used to be backed by Visa. So since Moneyline handles its own lending processes, it has, um, I think, something like, like 40 state licenses. Um, it'll essentially allow uh, customers to choose between the cash in their debit accounts or to use money lending, uh, Moneyline's lending products for installment loans at checkout. And they're also looking to integrate AI into the process um, since Moneyline has a big uh, focus on personal finance management. So the AI will essentially say, hey, you've got X amount of dollars in your checking account. It's a good time to pay off this installment loan that you got four months ago. Um, and that is essentially supposed to help build, uh, build up credit scores for customers. So it's, pretty, it's a pretty interesting opportunity, I think, especially. I mean, it's interesting that Afterpay is moving to brick and mortar because my guess would be POS finance is just taking off because of this e-commerce boom. Everyone's at home, everyone's buying groceries online, buying other things online as well. So it kind of makes sense um, from like a market perspective that people are wanting more um, wallet-friendly payment options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean it's, it's like there's so much credit card transactions. Uh, there's The volume is so huge that even if a small percentage of that goes towards POS uh, point of sale lending, uh, it, the numbers are, are really potentially staggering. Yeah. I mean, Visa got into it with, uh, with charge after um, they're, they're looking into installment loans as well. So uh, even the big card players are, are kind of trying to, to move into that space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking ahead uh, next week, um, what do you, uh, Rick, what do you have uh, coming coming up? Uh, well, we have a few things on the docket. Um, kind of going to look at um, some reports that talk about how big tech is affecting finance. Um, uh, and then also, you know, it is earnings season. So we will be keeping an eye on uh, what some of the, the big banks and the big tech players have to say. Good, good. Um, and uh, Johan, what, uh, what's coming up for, for cover in the next uh, few months? What are you guys working on? 
Uh, we have some uh, mature uh, projects that is finally kicking off both in Middle East and in Southeast Asia and myself I'm, I'm driving one national ID project in, in Central Europe so it's all over the globe I would say at this stage. Very good. And uh, it's uh, cover, people can find cover security at coversecurity.com and it's C O V R. Correct. Make, make, sure, make sure to leave out the E. Um, but thank you so much for being here, Johan and Bianca and Rick. Uh, as always, uh, we want to hear from you. Please uh, rate FinTech Unfiltered wherever you listen to your podcast and don't. Uh, uh, and please be sure to visit us uh, on bankinnovation.net. We'll see you uh, next time here on FinTech Unfiltered. And uh, until then, keep it unfiltered.